God, you have done some great things. You are doing some great things now. So why? Why don't we listen to you? Why are we like the frog that just, well, thinks that he is just fine as the heat gets turned up? We're going to be looking at Solomon. And I've called him the Frog King. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. You know, I just wanted to just say thanks to the guys yesterday that went with me to the No Regrets Conference up in Waukesha. It was an amazing time, I think, for guys to be able to come together and, well, understand a little bit better who God is, what their roles are, how they can, well, follow God relentlessly in all their endeavors. You know, we here at uh, Crosspoint have been focusing and reading and learning about the God of the Bible. To help us stay focused and encourage participation, I've encouraged you to get the book, The Story, which follows along the scriptures and able to help us maybe prepare a little better for each week's message. The God of the Bible is loving and is faithful and is just. And the more that we get to know Him, the more we are drawn to Him. God created each one of us for a relationship. And it started way back in the garden. Well, it also ended in that garden. Our relatives decided that they knew what was best. And they decided to do what they thought was right. And at that moment, severed their relationship with the Almighty God in a perfect environment. How could that be? Well, God is relentless. He continues to pursue mankind in spite of our unfaithfulness and our selfishness. Over the years, God has raised up leaders to point us back to Him. There was Moses, and there was Joshua, and there was Samuel. But at this time, well, Israel wanted a human king. They didn't necessarily really like God the king. No one else had God as their king, so why not have a human king? And so God gave them their wish. And their first king, Saul, disappointed God. Mostly because of his partial obedience. Then there was David. David was a warrior. A poet. A man after God's own heart. He was a leader who put God first. And loved and followed God. But if you were with us last week, you... Learned David was not a perfect man. Last week we saw David, King David, fall. We saw that his sin hurt him, hurt his family, and hurt his country. 
we also saw, which made him so very, very different than King Saul, that he repented. He saw his sin. He recognized that he had offended the Almighty God. And in light of that, he confessed. God restored David and gave him grace. This morning, we're going to focus on the third king of Israel, the king that had it all. Well, let's pray before we focus on this frog king, okay? Father, again, we, we come before you. We are so grateful that we can meet together with God's people to lift up your name. We come here, Father, to adore you, to worship you, to hear from you. And we would ask even right now, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit would be so abundantly active it would teach each one of us what we need to learn. Lord, I, I thank you for those men who went to the No Regrets Conference. I thank you, dear Father, that they chose to make that a priority and to be able to, well, listen to you maybe differently to be able to address maybe their marriage, relationships with others, but mostly their relationship with you. Lord, I look at this story we're going to look at today. It's an unbelievable, sad story for the most part. It's a story where, where this guy, well, had everything you could ask for and chose to really... Well, sort of obey. Father, I pray that we learn from Solomon. I pray that we understand, God, how much you desire for us to thrive. You desire for us to live abundantly. And God, so much of the time we choose to exist. Father, open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Solomon was the frog king. And let me explain. As you've noticed in our video, that, that frogs, well, they're cold-blooded animals. They take the temperature of their environment. And if you were to toss a frog close or even hold a frog over boiling water, that frog would just crawl right up your arm. That, that's what would happen. But if you put a frog in water that's just room temperature and just start adding the heat. Oh, he's in bliss. Just enjoys it until it's too late. He can't jump out once that water hits near boiling or starts boiling. And you go, whoa, well, why are you talking about this? Well, the truth is, is that Solomon had every opportunity in the whole world, all the time, to jump out of the water, to listen to God. And he just stayed, and just stayed, because he thought that was best. And we're going to find out it just wasn't. Our story begins in 1 Kings chapter 2. So if you can turn your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 2, or open up your flat screens... 
Let me paint this picture for you. King David is handing the reins over to his son Solomon. King David is near death. All right. He knew this time was coming, and he knew that Solomon was going to take over the reins. In 1 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1, at the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must go, David says. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees and the commands and the regulations and the laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do, Solomon. And wherever you go, Solomon, if you do this, Solomon... Then the Lord will keep his promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and allow me or follow me faithfully with all of their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. He basically looks at his son on his deathbed and he says, I want you to be courageous and I want you to be a man. Now again, oh, Rick, you know, like, oh, what is, you know, like, what does be a man mean? I think literally he was just saying, hey, you know what? You're going to be taking over a nation. You need to accept your responsibility. You need to recognize what God has given to you. You be courageous. And then he goes on and basically says, I need you to observe God's requirements and follow and obey Him. I'm really sure this was not the first time David had mentioned this to Solomon. But it was the most important thing that he could tell Solomon. I don't know if any of you could picture yourself someday on your deathbed and someday surrounded by your family, you know, just like in the movies. And you can hardly breathe and gasp, but, but you have just enough energy just to give your last thoughts. What would they be? What would you talk about? Would it be something fresh and new that your kids had never, ever heard? Or would it be just an emphasis of what was so important? You know, we saw two weeks ago, this man, David, especially, loved God. Loved God like few people have ever loved God. He knew God. He spent time with God. He understood how important that relationship with God. Here he is on his deathbed and said, son, son, you want to be successful? Listen to God the king, the real king. And we get a little bit excited about this. Okay, there's hope here. Solomon might be able to do this, but look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. Now remember, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 is a little bit after 1 Kings chapter 2. Just a little bit, all right? And look what the scriptures say. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David. And if it stopped there, wouldn't that have been cool? 
Yes, Solomon, you listened. Solomon, you understood. You learned from your dad's mistake. Solomon, this, I, I mean, your dad's great example. How cool is this? And if you mark your Bible, which I encourage you to do, circle the word accept. The shouts. Accept. That Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. So he listened, but in addition to that, he also offered sacrifices. Doesn't make a lot of sense right now, but this is going to come together. Solomon was the king who had it all. David literally set him up well. There is no doubt about it. He brought, you know, conquered nations and and really handed the kingdom over in a perfect state. But it was God who literally dumped the grace truck on him. Look at 1 Kings just a little bit further on, chapter 3, verse 10. And the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, God asked him, Solomon, what would you like? I will give you anything, anything. What would you like? And Solomon basically came back and just said, you know what, I'm not going to be smart enough to rule. I I don't have the ability to lead a nation. Would you give me wisdom? Oh, God was so pleased. He was so very pleased. And we'll read on in verse 12. I will give you what you ask for, the Lord said. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. I will give you riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. In verse 14. And if you follow me, and obey my decrees and my commandments as your father David did. I will give you a long life. Wow. Who could imagine having more ability to reason, to think, more knowledge than anyone? Wow. That would be kind of cool. But also, on top of that, I'm going to give you riches and fame. And nobody, no one will ever be compared to you. Well, one of the things that Solomon did was give us Proverbs. And I'd like to actually look at a few of them. But before I do, especially some of you who have maybe understood where Solomon's going to end up and where we'll end up today in today's message... You're going, Rick, really? The guy was so wise. He wrote these amazing proverbs. Why would I listen to him? I mean, he didn't practice anything he preached. And that's probably true. But what I want to be able to say to you is let's not focus on the messenger right here. Let's focus on the message because that is God's word. Whether this messenger 
as smart as he was, as wise as he was, listened or not. And that's where the sad part is. But let's turn. Let's turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I just want to read the first seven verses to you. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, the reason they're here, is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right and just and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those, who under, let those with understanding receive the guidance from here. And then in verse 7, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. You know, I don't know if it could be much clearer, but God says, hey, if you want to be wise and disciplined. You want to understand what's important in life. You want to live rightly and justly and fairly. You want to have knowledge and discernment. Then listen to the Proverbs. I remember one older gentleman when I was uh, probably about 23 years old, 24 years old, looked at me and, and said, uh, Rick, can I give you some advice? Well, at 23, you don't like to take any advice for anything, right? So, well, I said yes. I didn't know what his advice was, and I didn't actually even know if I wanted his advice. But, you know, he was one of these older guys, and he had uh, four kids, and they all walked with Jesus. They all loved God, and that's not always the case. We all know that. But it was something okay, Don, what is it? What, what kind of advice do you want to give me? I, I see your life. I see your kids. I see your family. What kind of advice? And he says, you know what, Rick? Since I've been a young man, there's 31 Proverbs. And each day, I read the problem for that day. I said, Don, how long have you been doing that? And this is when Don was probably 35, 36, 37 years old right in that area, um, maybe even a little older. Um, and he says, well, I've been, I've been doing it for about 12 years now. And I said, wow, 12 years every day you do that? He goes, yeah. I go, is that the only thing? He goes, no, no. But what I decided a long time ago is that I didn't want to end up like Solomon. Oh, okay. Okay, that's, I don't want to end up like Solomon. You know, the key verse of Proverbs probably is Proverbs 9.10. And Solomon writes this, Fear of the Lord is foundational of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Let's read a few more Psalms. Just, uh, or Proverbs, excuse me. Proverbs chapter 3. And look at verse 1. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store these commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. 
Verse 5, trust in the Lord. You can bank on him with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. Verse 7, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. (laughs) Instead, fear God. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain. Verse 11, my child, don't despise the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a son whom he delights. Verse 18, wisdom is the tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Turn just over to chapter 4, starting at verse 20. My child, listen to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. He's speaking specifically here of Proverbs. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they, these words, bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. And then Solomon writes, guard your heart, your mind above all things. For it determines the course of your life. Wow. We read on in in. 1st Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1st Kings and 2nd Kings and 1st Chronicles and 2nd Chronicles, more about Solomon. And we find out that Solomon builds and dedicates the temple. This was a big deal in Israel. David literally wanted to build this temple. And the reason that it was so very, very important, all right, could we go to the next slide, please? Thank you. The reason it was so very, very important, all right, is because this was the place that God would abide. Now, again, it's very different today, but but back then it was a big deal. And if you look, and, and no one actually exactly knows what the temple looks like, but to put it in perspective, this temple really was only 30 feet wide and 90 feet long. You, many of you have been in our gym. Our gym is 36 feet wide and 55 feet long, which means it's probably a, just about as wide as the gym and twice as long. All right? You say, okay, well, that's an, a nice size, you know, or whatever. But listen to what the scriptures say. It took 180,000 laborers, carpenters, craftsmen to build this temple And it took seven years. 180,000. Now, I'm pretty sure like 180,000 didn't show up like all the time. But it took a lot of people. Solomon at this time, after this was built, was again walking with God as far as we can see. He was overwhelmed by God's grace. And in 1 Kings... Chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. Starting in verse 23. He lifted his hands toward heaven and he prayed, O Lord, 
God of Israel. There is no God like you in all of heaven above or on earth below. You keep your covenant and show your unfailing love to all those who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. Then the scriptures tell us he sacrificed Listen to this. And again, whether you understand the whole Testament sacrificial system and, and so on, it's, it's again probably a, a topic for another time or if you want to grab a cup of coffee. But listen to the volume here. All right? At that moment, they were so grateful and so overwhelmed with God's grace that they sacrificed 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep. And you're like, oh, whoa, that's a lot of livestock. And then in 1 Kings chapter 8, he just goes over, over, and over. God, you are faithful. God, you are amazing. God, you took care of us. Your word is always there. And God responds to him. After both the temple and the palace are built, which took approximately 20 years for both of them, so seven years for the temple, about 13 years for his palace, when all of these things are built, 1 Kings chapter 9. This is God talking to Solomon. I have heard your prayers and your petition. I have set this temple apart to be holy. This place you have built where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, Solomon, if you follow me with integrity and godliness, as David, your father did, obeying all the commands and degrees and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father, David. In the same context, over in 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, God elaborates. He's still talking to Solomon and recognizing, you know what? You're not going to listen to me. Your people are not going to follow me wholeheartedly. So I want you to know that I'm still a God of grace. Even though I want you to listen, I want you to obey, I will, I will give you abundant life if you do. But you're not going to. You're going to go your own way. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Or no, let's, let's go back to verse 13. Now let's go back to 12. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon. Same, same situation. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times, though, God said, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. And the only time those things happen is when God's people would run from God. God says, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to spank you. But look at verse 14, amazing verse. Then 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn or confess their sin from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land. Wow. God's amazing God. He desires deeply if he could, again, meet with each one of us personally and look us right in the eye and say, look, I know how I made you. I want you to listen to me. I have come to give abundant life. I also want to give you eternal existence. Trust me. Listen to everything that I have to say. And then 1 Kings 10 and 11. I told our team this morning as we were praying and preparing for today that these are two of the most sad chapters in the Bible. Chapters 11 and chapter 12. 10 tells of all the splendor and all that, that Solomon had. But these two chapters tell us the story of the frog king. The Bible tells us this. He accumulated gold, so much gold you can't even imagine. He accumulated chariots, horses, and wives. All right, gold you get, right? Chariots, uh, horses, we could say cars and trucks and all that other kind of stuff, you know, and really getting into all this kind of stuff. And wives, that can't be good. And it wasn't, all right? This certainly points to his weaknesses. But what I want to say to you very, very clearly before I read some scripture to you is that polygamy was normal at the culture that day, all right? But I also want you to know this. It was not sanctioned by God. It was never sanctioned by God. And the scriptures tell us that Solomon loved foreign women. Now, we're not talking about like French women or I, I you know, don't even know what you want to put in there. We're talking about women that do not follow God. That's his definition. And look at 1 Kings chapter 11. I'm going to start reading verse 1. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Beside Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab and Ammon and Edom and Sidon from the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet, whoa, yet, circle, yet, Solomon's much smarter than God. No. Yet. Solomon insisted. Insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. And in fact, they did not, or they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Verse 4. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful. I had to underline that. To the Lord is God as his father David had been. Solomon began worshiping 
Asherah, the goddess of the Sidians, and Malek, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely, as his father David has done. Wow. The water got hotter slowly. And he thought he was okay. And I could add more wives, and more chariots, and more horses. And I just can accumulate more and more. I don't actually have to listen to God in every area. But look at chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord was very angry with Solomon. And some of you may say, well, you know, I I can understand it. I mean... I mean, he didn't just kind of disobey having one or two wives. I mean, come on, a thousand wives. Like, he really, he went off the charts. All right. Wow, why? Why did God say that? God said that because you are going to be drawn away from me. Why was God angry Because God doesn't want anyone to have fun. He doesn't like chariots, horses, or women. No. God was angry. Because what Solomon was focusing on was drawing him away from an unbelievable relationship with God. He was not following God wholeheartedly. And i got to ask the question. We see it's so simple for Solomon, don't we? Hey, Solomon, you're just plain an idiot, okay? God said over and over. He talked to you over and over. He said, hey, don't go this route. Over and over and over. And Solomon, what'd you do? I'm afraid, if I'm honest, I sometimes, more than I want to admit, have that cavalier attitude. God, maybe, you know, you, you kind of, do I have to listen? Lord, really, every, I mean, come on, man. I'm, I'm obeying you like 90% of the time. Man, on a good day, I'm up to 92%. You know, God, what's the deal? Curve, marking the curve. Marking a curve. I'm a good dude. No. God was angry. He wanted Solomon to be successful. He wanted Solomon to thrive. He wanted children of Israel to absolutely live abundant lives. He's saying, you're wrong. I'm not against fun. I'm against you existing in life. I got to ask again, are we deaf to any of God's commands? Do we say no? So what do you mean? Well, the greatest of all commands is love the Lord your God with all of your heart. How many of us are too busy? to spend time with God every day. 
quality time every day with God. Well, Rick, you don't understand my schedule. I don't. But that's a real simple command. It says, spend time with me. Nurture this relationship. And then he goes, well, and, and then love others like you love yourself. Well, I really like myself. Don't you guys like yourselves? I, I mean, like, yeah, I like myself. Like, world revolves around me if I can make it happen. But do I treat you that way? Do I honor you? Do I care for you? Do I make sure your needs are being cared for? Do I? What, what about forgiveness? Do I only forgive people that deserve to be forgiven? Well, that's not Jesus' way. Jesus' way is you forgive. Even when they rip your back apart and they put you up on a cross. Now, that's absolutely ridiculous, right? That, that's dumb. But that's Jesus. And that's how he says, you forgive others in Colossians the way I forgive. That's, that's how you do it. What about being kind? Well, they don't deserve it. What about literally being in community with other believers? I mean, some of us, it's really hard to even get out here on a Sunday, which is a gigantic group of believers. But God's serious about doing family and life together with others. What about praying without ceasing? Oh, come on, Rick. But Meeting together to pray. What about tithing? Well, Rick, that's just plain ridiculous. Just saying. There are some real clear things in the Scripture. Serving. Serving one another. Serving here in this church. Serving outside these walls. Some of you, honestly, and again, I don't know all of your situations, but you're not. You're kind of obeying 60, 70% of what God's asking. What about complaining? Well, Rick, it was cold on Wednesday. Come on! I know, but I, I'm not, trying to be harsh, I'm just saying, these are things. Say, so, well, you know what, I'm not marrying 900 women, get off me. I get it, but what about just plain being selfish, self-centered? not seeking first God's kingdom. These are, these are things that God says, you do. You do. It's so cool. We gave our members last year, all of our members, this towel. Just a reminder, it's not a very fancy towel. It's kind of a raggy towel, to be quite honest. 
but it's used to wipe people's feet. People that don't like you, people that are going to betray you. It's, it's something Jesus said, do as I've done to you. And we hurt people with our mouths. We rip about people. Jesus, get down on your knees. Wash your feet. This is what people do when they love Jesus. You're so different. I actually don't even want new people to walk in and just say, hey, you're a really friendly church. I go, whoa, thank you. That's awesome. That's what I want to be known for, friendly. You know what I would be known for? Those crazy people at Crosspoint, you come in and they care about you. They love you. They connect with you. They walk with you. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen at times. But we look. We look at this. We get really mad at Solomon. Very self-righteous. And God says, I want you. Rick, I want you. When you open up God's word, just do it. Ask yourself, every time you open this up, am I not listening to you, God? Am I sort of listening to you? Am I putting this one aside? This one is, oh, when I get really old and rich and and can't do anything else. Remember, sort of obeying is disobeying. And that's what made God angry. I've given you so much. You know, there's never been a generation that's been more entitled than those in the United States right now. Hasn't. Our suffering looks really, really different than other places in the world. And I know you suffer, I do. But it's different. And God says, I've given you so much. You have my whole word. You you have so much. Why don't you listen to me? Why don't you obey me? Every little thing. Don't be Solomon. Don't wake up when you're 85 years old and the heat's been turned up so hot. You kind of just die. You didn't see it. You didn't respond. I just want to say this because it seems like a little downer right now. Remember, all the way through this, God kept telling Solomon, obey like your father David did. Rick, last week, you showed us, you taught us, we looked in the scriptures. He was a murderer, he was an adulterer. What are you talking about? 
David was a man after God's own heart. He failed. But what's so cool is that when he saw it, he responded, God, I have sinned against you. You and you alone have I sinned against. I know I'm hurting myself. I know I'm hurting my nation, but it's you. What does God say? The fear of God. Do you understand what the fear of God, this respect for God that says, hey, I'm going to do what I'm going to say. It's not trivial. David was so amazing because he listened. But even greater hope for me is when he sinned, he repented. He repented all in. He knew he was wrong. He aligned himself back up with God's word. You know, each week we close our time and we, we look at the upper story. What are we learning about God? What are we learning about ourselves? And, and the upper story really is, and I want you to, you know, I guess this wasn't a very pleasant thing, but God gets angry. He doesn't get angry because you sin. He gets angry because you don't understand what sin does to every one of you and me. That's why he gets angry. He goes, I could give you life and you choose death. God's gracious. I love it. Why? Do I deserve this? I don't deserve this. Do you deserve it? None of us. How cool. And the lower story, partial obedience is disobedience. It is. And you can play a game, and I can play a game, and we can play it for years. But it doesn't change. God's word is life-giving. God says, take this. Eat it. Eat it up. You want just something simple? You're not reading through the Bible this year? Okay, I'm I'm not going to beat you up. You're not in a Bible study? Not going to beat you up? Not, you know. But start. Why don't you read one Proverbs a day? All this year. This would be February 3rd, so you would read Proverbs 3 even though I kind of read some of it. And lastly, jump out of the water early. Each one of us are deceived if we think God's word is trivial. The pain and the agony that disobedience brings, it's horrific. Let's pray. Father, Solomon did have everything. He did. And Solomon thought he knew better. And he didn't. And Lord, if I'm honest, I'm like Solomon. And you are just so disappointed. Lord, I pray that we become relentless in our obedience. 
that if there be sin in our life or rebellion in our ear, that we, we confess it. We come before you holy. And we ask you, God, to renew our souls. Remind us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. We pray this in your son's name.